1: Just the best literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I have a great comment to read, and uh, I'm really excited that these comments are coming in. And this is actually from from a frequent commenter. This is from Drew again. And so, Drew, we just love you. Keep, keep, uh, keep writing us. It says, Dear Mr. Leap, I just finished listening to episode 288. Uh, and actually, he's got the wrong number there, but that's okay introducing Moby Dick. That was just one of the the last ones we taped. He says, you and Grant make a great team. I especially like the discussion about the mysteries of the deep that for the time being at least still remain mysteries. Keep up the good work. So uh, we will do that, Drew, and we just need you to keep writing in. And so uh, uh, we, we really thank you for that. Now on our last podcast, Grant and I finished Chapter 40, which did give us some deep insight into the history of Moby dick and ahab's encounter and then ahab's subsequent madness and uh i remember our discussion on that we had a great discussion on his madness <laughs> he went crazy all right now for today's program grant and i want to discuss ishmael's view of the whiteness of the whale in chapter 42 and uh, i don't think we'll have time but if we do have time we'll move on to chapters 46 and 48 but i uh i, I doubt that Grant and I are going to have the time to do that. So welcome back, Grant. Thank you very much. It's so good to have you back. Now, I, I just want to bring up a little matter from last time. Is, is uh, I think it was you that brought up the, the question, do whales really have hunger for human blood? <laughs> I thought that was an interesting question. Because Ahab seemed to think so. Yeah, he did. He did. And so I did a little bit of research and uh not much i found an article It was about nine pages of reading so i skimmed it i did not read it large print though thankfully <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> it helped yeah yes i need large print i am i am 69 so <laughs> so uh no, i'm just kidding i don't need large print uh, <laughs> i need some other things but not, <laughs> yeah. not, 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 not large print but after reading through that i i thought um uh basically there's some difference of differences of opinion, but uh, if you look at like a whale like Moby Dick, basically it says be, that because they must hold their breath underwater, they have no gills, remember. They don't have gills. So he, uh, Moby Dick would not be able to smell blood underwater. Now, but they did say whales can smell blood above water because they have to be able to breathe in. And so... So I guess if Ahab's bleeding all over the top of the ocean, then they could smell the blood.
0: (laughs) And apparently scientists examined whale brains and they saw that all the components were in place to make a whale capable of smelling. Right. But they still seem unsure about a lot of the species. If they can smell, it would have to be above the water. But I guess that's all that they really seem to understand.
1: Right. There, There might be an exception with a baleen whale. Yeah. Because they have to eat under the water they can't come above water they have to eat under and so they think that they have the the right apparatus to be able to smell underwater like a shark Mm -hmm. and so that's how they could smell the krill you know so so anyway but uh, aside we brought it up on the radio now it's up for everybody else out there to do their own research (laughs) so so anyway uh i thought it was still a a great question to listen or or to look into well now let's get into chapter forty two I think uh this is one of my favorite chapters in the whole book <laughs> and and there's a lot to unpack here and I have a few statements to say at the end that I think it still has everything to do with Melville's religious crisis <laughs> and that's what I think it has to do with all right so uh the whiteness of the whale, my book begins on page two o four and uh Essentially, what what goes on here, and I'm going to just read the first quote. Um, it, it's almost like Ishmael wants attention. <laughs> you know, he's talked about Ahab and the whale. Now he wants to give us his view. He says, "What the white whale was to Ahab has been hinted. What at times he was to me, as yet, remains unsaid." So, so uh, I I can see uh, you know Melville in his in his study writing this up and kind of chuckling to himself you know like, oh let's get this in here so uh uh he goes on then to say and we'll get it, you in, involved in this too because i know this is one of your favorite chapters but uh what what ishmael then says is that moby Dick, M- moby Dick, <laughs> excuse me <laughs> that's, that's where i look at the whole sentence at the same time so i combine words but moby dick could awaken see where it came from there you it. go it's not that i'm crazy out there people <laughs> Anyway, uh, Moby Dick could awaken alarm in any man's soul, but Ishmael seems to think another thought about Moby Dick, and uh, he said, "There's this nameless horror concerning him." And so, so I don't know what you think, but it seems like to me what Melville is saying is, Ishmael wasn't scared of the whale because he was the whale. He was scared because he was white. right
0: and it seems like the way ishmael describes this is so convincing that i think i'm afraid of whales now just because of their whiteness (laughs) after reading it. it it does make a lot of sense and really captain ahab might be the outlier here where he just hates whales and has no fear flask is another outlier where he just has contempt for whales but most people probably just fear the whale and perhaps don't know exactly why. Ishmael posits that it is the whiteness of the whale that is actually the most fearsome part. Not not how gigantic it is, the color. And he, he makes a great
1: argument for that. Yeah, it's amazing where he says, t- to him, he calls fear of the whiteness is the great horror. <laughs> it's like, I mean, here's that that whale. is like, how many tons does it weigh? And the jaws of that whale... I mean, that gives me the creeps right away. Just thinking about it, and then getting down on one of the little skiffs. You know, like I said, that one. That one of the programs I talked about, and you know, when I was in Alaska, I was on a little skiff, and that that big killer whale flapped his tail, <laughs> I was done. It's getting me out of here. Well, there Get was me back on land. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was that part a few chapters later, where I believe it was. Um, I think it was Flask who was urging on the, the men rowing the boat and, and he was almost making them feel like the whale was directly underneath them and as its tail came up it was caressing the bottom of the boat so it was like directly underneath them the whole time and so these these oar men are in a panic as they just essentially row for their lives yeah. so that's, that's the scary thing about being on one of these tiny boats hopping off the ship getting into one of these smaller boats
1: now now you're really vulnerable, it seems like. Right. Oh, absolutely. You'd be absolutely vulnerable. But for Ishmael, it's not that that bothers him. It's the whiteness of the way. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so so, so he, he goes on to say um, that this horror could completely overpower him. And he, he makes this other comment in there. It says it was mystical. It was ineffable, meaning it, it was too great or too extreme to describe in words. And he said he despaired to describe it in a comprehensible form. It, it caused him depression to try and formulate what his fear is and what, why. Why does the whiteness fear him? Well, it did make a lot of sense. He did
0: yeah. well to make it comprehensible, even if he thought it was a struggle. Yeah, I mean,
1: like I said, it, it did convince me that that's the scariest part of the whale. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It says. Uh, and, of course, I, try, I put this in big black letters on our script here. It says, it was the whiteness of the well above all that appalled Ishmael. <laughs> so so what I would like to do is talk to Melville someday and say, what were you thinking here? Is this, is this really serious or are you trying to be um, just comic? And, and I, I'm beginning to think that he was really serious about it.
0: I think so, too, because there are a lot of parts of this chapter that could make someone chuckle a bit while reading it. But there are also parts where he, he, he explains the contrast. Like, he, he brings in a polar bear in a couple pages, and he says, Well, the polar bear is haunting because it's this powerful beast, but it's covered by this elegant fur. So there's this contrast between the brutal and the vicious and the beautiful... Right. And, and and it's it's almost like bewildering to its victims that it's so beautiful and yet it could tear you apart so quickly.
1: Yeah, and I, I I've seen some programs about the polar bears that they are vicious when it comes to you know like um, otters and I guess we're, we're, no seals. I guess we call them seals. An otter and a seal is very similar to me, but it's a seal. They're just vicious. And then I've seen them. White with blood all over their faces and their paws and their front, you know. And now that's terrifying well, you to see me. The
0: blood stands out on them more yeah. because of their white fur. Be- because of their so whiteness, so that's even scarier. The, yes. way that, the way that the blood contrasts with the fur too. Yeah,
1: and he brings that up a little bit later. But, uh, but what what I think is is interesting. Just maybe we could talk about structure just for a minute. And if if uh, on my my like I said, i beginning on page two hundred four. And there's the big top paragraph that kind of explains, uh, you know, Ishmael kind of, you know, says, okay, I want you to hear what I have to say about the whale. But then when you begin with the second paragraph, I don't know if you notice this, but the, from the middle of the page 204 to almost to the end of the second page, 205, that is all one sentence.
0: Yes. <laughs> with... with. <laughs> Dozens of semicolons.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and it's it's like to to me the the, uh, the paragraph length is not unique just to Melville, and he makes a few points in here that I think he's he's making a few jabs at a few other writers, and so so I know that that when uh, when I teach the sophomore English literature section when we read Conrad, Conrad does the same thing; he can have a sentence take a whole page. And uh, you know some of the students say, "Okay, why does he take a whole page? Why doesn't he break it up more?" But this guy it's just amazing how long that sentence is, but you can still read it if you know if you stop at the punctuation. yes, it's crazy.
0: Yes, I love this sentence actually because there's so many there are so many really important details here that show all of the the good sides of whiteness and and he's setting up this whole scene to then say well actually whiteness is terrifying (laughs) (laughs) despite what you might think (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so so anyway um basically in this paragraph to me and again you can you can agree or disagree with me but but this this whole paragraph is one sentence it seems like to me he's trying to make it sound like uh, why whiteness is superior and and of course he, he he talks about well look look at it this way he says uh, uh, even though Ishmael this is what I wrote for myself even though Ishmael is appalled by the color white he gives his view of the beauty associated with the color white and you already brought that up a little bit but he talks about you know the, the uh, japonicas and that's a flower and they can be white you know pearls are obviously white he talks about that uh he goes on to talk about uh, the old kings of pagu i guess i'm saying that right and they place the title lord of the white elephants <laughs> that's that's a you know that there are i guess white elephants you know i've never seen one live but uh then he talks about the kings of siam that uh you know they uh, i i guess in their royal standard it was all white you know so uh, uh then then he talks about in this paragraph, he talks about the Hanoverian hen, hen, flag that it, it used white. The Austrian Empire flag used white. Uh, uh, now, now this is a this is another statement there that that uh, I think we, we need to talk to about a little bit. It says, the color white has given the white man ideal mastery over the dusky tribe. Now. If if you I don't you probably haven't had time to look it up, but I looked it up. There's a lot of people that have read this one line, and they say that he is against racism. In other words, he's 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 against white race the white race. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's true. You know, he he, uh, he says that the white man because he's white, he's like a better color than anybody that's dark. And I don't know if Melville's saying that or not. Well, we've, so
0: we've seen people claim in, in society recently that um, somehow whiteness being depicted in books and movies is is like subtle racism, like you make the good guys white and the the bad guys a different color, a darker <laughs> color, and so that somehow has has an actual parallel to the creator's thoughts on race in real life um and I always thought that was pretty ridiculous but maybe they're latching onto one statement like this in an entire massive book like Moby Dick and trying to make their own points yes. about how everything ties back to skin color somehow right I don't think in personally that Herman Melville was saying anything about one race being better than another. No, based I don't. On yeah, I,
1: I don't either because I know that if you look at the very beginning of the book, it's it's like he talks positively about everybody, like a Queequeg. I mean, he's a tattooed, dusky person, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but he and Ishmael are best buddies. Right. So so, you know. Uh, now he could be saying that some men see that right see it that way but uh that i could agree with but but i don't uh, again by the time we get to the end of this i i have my my view is i i think the the color white is just unexplainable mm-hmm. it's a mystery and i think he's equating it with the mystery of the universe and and everything else so so let's go let's go on uh the Romans considered a white stone a symbol of joy that's in there, and I think it's interesting uh you know your your grandfather brought this up in a sermon one time that a white stone in the Bible is a symbol of acquittal. you know you've gotten your sins okay you're gone, they're gone, you know so you know that's nice uh it says uh, but Ishmael claims whiteness is actually a terror to the soul, then even the color red frightens people as if it were shed blood. <laughs> now we just talked about that with the polar bear. I mean, to me, when you, they're white and then you see the blood all over them, that makes them more frightening. Yes. To me. You know, can you imagine what they, I mean, I immediately think what they could do to me if they caught me, you know. <laughs> and there was that crazy lady who would get into the cages with these bears. You know, it's like, what were you thinking? You know, I don't know what she was <laughs> saying. Anyway, I'm not getting, I don't care if they are, I don't care if they were bright pink. I'm not getting in them. <laughs> so, I, I do see what
0: he's saying, though, because there is something about either an animal. or or a villain of some kind that's dressed in white that is especially chilling because we don't expect anything that is white like that to be vicious. And yet when it is, it adds an extra level of terror. I definitely see what he's saying, but also, yeah, red is blood. So that might be the worst one. I I
1: know one of of the – uh, I did you know one of the articles I read online is says that they agree with this whiteness being scary, and they talked about the oh yes
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, so so you can see that Lucas you know he probably read Melville, he probably read this whole paragraph he probably- read the whole uh, chapter on whiteness all right i I think it's funny there it says uh uh he goes on to say anything with whiteness is like a scary ghost a white shark or a polar bear. Now, a white shark would scare the daylight out of me. If I were in the ocean and I saw a white shark, I'd get out as fast as I could. <laughs> but but I think here here's, he's making a, a cut at Coleridge where he says he thinks an albatross is creepy.
0: <laughs> he says
1: that. And and he takes a dig at Coleridge. Uh, Coleridge is the out- rhyme of the ancient mariner. He even uses the word Coleridge right in the sentence. So he's, he's picking on Coleridge. Conrad. I mean, Coleridge. Coleridge, yeah, there you go, (laughs) Conrad Coleridge. I got too many rads and coals in my brain. All right, Um, he talks about the American Indian myth of a divine white steed that strikes awe and terror. You know, which I could see that. I think I've even seen probably cartoons about that. And then uh, he does talk about albino human beings, (laughs) which is to me is kind of sad. But but uh, and I don't want to criticize. uh, It's it's a birth. Defect. It's not their fault at all, but I, but I know that as a young boy, when I saw my first albino child, almost like my own age, it really it it does kind of mess you up a little bit,
0: you know. And it seems like a big part of this chapter is that it maybe shouldn't disturb us as much as it does. Right? The color the color white. I mean, if if we see a person with some sort of deformity or disfigurement sometimes that's not even as 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 shocking as seeing someone who is really pale right even though it's th- the other person's body isn't isn't all there and it's not all working properly right. so right. why why are we more disturbed by the pigmentation rather than a missing limb or a, a messed up face or something like that and it really is just it doesn't ma-
1: make sense no it's just a matter of experience if you yeah. don't have experience you know, and then I think probably some movies had made Albano characters seem to be wicked Right. I think I remember, remember a movie like that now he goes on to talk about the white hoods of Ghent and of course this is something where white would have been really evil because they were rebels against Louis II and it's like they're the KKK you know so, so but we, I, I think I added the KKK in there because they were white hoods too and they terrorized people yeah. There's a lot of
0: hypocrisy involved in that being evil but wearing white. Oh, when, when white is supposed to be a symbol of purity, white right. white clothing and yet they're you know lynching people on someone's front yard, <laughs> on know, fr- front terrible. lawn.
1: Yeah. Uh but, but but he said even if white is used for something grand and gracious, it could be scary. You know. And uh uh you know of course I was you know raised Catholic and priests all were white all the time, you know, it didn't necessarily scare me, but you were afraid of the priests because they would, you know, if you stepped out of line, they got you, they got you hard. Um, He he says, mariners are afraid of white water, and that's because the rocks are hidden underneath them, and they know what's going to happen if if they're not careful. Um, Now, I I think it's funny, in the middle of the chapter, Ishmael admits that some people think he might be a tad bit panicky. (laughs) Uh but but he goes on to say he thinks he's reacting based on some, some hidden instinct. The way a horse who never been gored or even has seen a buffalo will freak out if it smells buffalo hide. I love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. So so the, the 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 thing is, you know, as we get to the end of the chapter, finally Ishmael begins to I mean this this goes on way beyond that paragraph. There's, there's, we're not getting to even everything. There's the White Tower of London. There's the White Friar or the right you know the white nun. And I, I think the, right, the, the white friars were kind of vicious. You know I, I don't think he wanted to mess with them. And uh, uh, the, the, he, he goes on then to say his final suggestion is, he gives a few reasons that whiteness might seem alarming because it's indefinite. It's void. It makes us think of non-existence and atheism, and it's simultaneously the absence of color and the mixture of all the colors. So, so to me, that's where I think Melville is going with this. It's, it's a mysterious color. you know. And uh, uh, I don't know what you think about that, so I'll let you. Right, it could be something
0: pointing to the afterlife which so many people are confused about. So there's all this uncertainty there and that can be scarier than any monster. Just not knowing what the future holds, what comes, what comes after death that, that is terrifying to so many people. And that's the reason for the, the amount of mourning and sorrow when somebody dies, because Then they realize all of a sudden how uncertain they are about whether they'll ever see that person again.
1: Right. I I remember as a you know of course I was raised Irish Catholic and that's it's pretty full of traditions. And uh, but but I recently saw the movie Belfast. It was it's by Kenneth Branagh and it's based on his life. It's really a great movie, by the way. I, I would recommend it to everyone. It's if you want to know a little bit about the you know so many people were were uh, upset about how the protestants you know uh treated the catholics well this shows how the catholics treated the protestants and so it's it's the the coin is flipped a little bit but i remember one of the things that my wife was shocked about is they when someone dies they have a wake and they they keep the body in the coffin and everyone has a big party i mean it's just a huge party and as a kid i went to mostly all irish catholic funerals but the thing that was really freaky to the kids was, you know, there are grandparents and they've drained all the blood out of their bodies, you know, so they're really white. You know, there's a pallor and then everything around the, the thing is white. So I could see where, you know, we, after a while you really hated to go to all these funerals, you know, because it's like, you know, Aunt Aunt Mary or someone... Cries all the time. Uncle Bud, who was a hypocrite, would say the rosary louder than everybody else. You know, it was, it was, he's dead now, so it doesn't matter. But 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 we knew what was going on, and uh, but but I I can see where you know whiteness would have been scary to me then, you know, and so uh, uh, I I think there's a really good good summary you know at the end. So I I don't want to. I'll just let you. Give me some more ideas. Give me some more ideas before I read the final quote.
0: Well, I yeah. love what you talked there about whiteness meaning a dead body. It's a dead. I mean, body. Really, it is a dead body. I've never seen one before. They and tried to get would, me
1: to kiss my grandmother, and I
0: said, "There's no way I'm kissing my." I grandmother. lose n- nights of sleep over seeing a dead body. Probably, yeah. Um, but some people just see them all the time at, at funerals and memorials. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> I, I think I may have touched her, and her hand it was really cold. You know. I mean, wow. I didn't like kissing my grandmother when she was alive, you know, because, because she was mean. <laughs> my grandparents were mean to me. My granddad called me a Democrat. <laughs> I could didn't there, even could know there be he, a worse insult? I, I didn't even know what it meant, and I was mad. I thought, what's he calling me? He said, Denny, you Democrat. You know. <laughs> and, of course, he thought it was a big joke, you know, and I did not think it was a big joke. So, It's so, funny now, though. It is, you have to yeah, yeah, no. but, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, when I, I only voted one time, and I signed up as an independent because, <laughs> my dad was a Republican, my mom was a Democrat, and they fought all the time over politics. So I said, okay, I'm independent.
0: You don't want to get
1: too much involved on either side of that. No, I hated politics anyway, and so I only voted one time. And when my whoever I voted for lost, I said, that's it, I'm done. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, but but it is uh you know whiteness is something unique. Maybe I could read this at the end here. This is on page two twelve from my book and this this is where I think Melville is just really he, he does it several places in the book, even with pip he you know when pip is stuck in the ocean, he talks about the universe, but he says, is it that by its indefiniteness? It shadows forth the heartless voids and immensities of the universe and thus stabs us from behind with the thought of annihilation when beholding the white depths of the Milky Way. (laughs) So, to me, that's an incredible quote in the the book.
0: Well, it is
1: easy when we think of the universe
0: to possibly think of death because we can't breathe anywhere outside of Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. So the only way that the universe would mean life for us is if we had a different kind of life, a spiritual right. life. So so I could see where he's sort of equating the universe with death in a way. If he doesn't understand what comes next, then that totally makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's it's like the, the Milky Way makes it appealing, but yet you can't survive out there no. unless you're on Earth. You know, and so... So I I think this gets back to his whole whole I, I think in his life it was driving him to understand why is there this big universe why why is I mean it's it's the things that Mister Armstrong discusses in Mystery of the Ages who am I why am I you know how did this all happen and you know there there are answers for all those questions. And if, if people really study the Bible the way they should, they would find the answers to all those questions. But but so many people are so twisted in their, their uh, I guess, their brand of religion, and they believe what they're taught without proof, they're confused.
0: Well, yeah. the, the, the real answers provide comfort, and false doctrines make everything a lot more scary. So the universe might be scary, to those who don't know any better, and yet to us, it's the most exciting thing possible, pretty much.
1: Right, right. And if, if you look at the way, I mean, Christianity looks at Christ, he ascended into the universe, he didn't die. Mm-hmm. You know, so, all right, well, anyway, uh, for all you out there listening, make sure you just read this whole chapter, and, and uh, there's a lot, a lot to unpack in it. Well, that is all the time we have for today's program. Now, on our next program, Grant and I will begin discussing chapters 46 and 48. And then if we get past that, which we really have trouble doing, uh, we'll get on to chapters 52 and 53. Now, you can buy Moby Dick at Amazon.com. And believe me, we're not done yet with this series. It's getting close to the end, but we're not done. So if you haven't bought it yet, do it. But you can get it at Amazon.com. You can also uh, find a good used copy at abebooks.com. And then you also may be able to find a copy in your local bookstore. And, of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you may have to JBL PCOG.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading.